Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. I'm here today at Ball State University with uh, the newly appointed professor of trumpet, Stephen Campbell. And I'd like to welcome Stephen to the Studio HFL podcast today. Oh, it's great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we've had a chance to work together uh, over the last couple of years, uh, actually more frequently, uh, just with a couple of things here in Indianapolis. Uh, it's been good to get to know you as a player and to work with you in the Muncie Symphony in the section there. Absolutely. Likewise. I, I admire your playing. I uh, admire your, your uh, teaching that you've already shown that you've been able to do here at Ball State. Uh, I think it's a wonderful fit uh, for both you and the school, and uh, congratulations on that new position. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so let's actually start there. Let's talk a little bit about uh, you were a visiting professor for a year, uh, reapplied, and then got the full, full-time professor. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about that process and, and even what brought you to apply in the first place. Um. Well, the reason that I applied for the for the tenure track job, uh, as you as you mentioned, I was here last academic year as visiting professor. I um, I felt a connection with the faculty, um, and just the the situation at this school, and it felt like um, a, it felt like the right fit. If that makes any sense, um, I'm crazy about my colleagues um, up here on the second floor. And, um, but not the first floor. Not the first floor. <laughs> That's the wire choir. Uh, no, I, I, no, we, um, we, we all get along here, and it's, um, but particularly like those of us who we're, we're up here on the second floor, and we're, we're, we're the chill hallway, and we're all, uh, we all work really well together. Well, so let's mention your faculty: Matt Lyon on tuba. Matt Lyon, he teaches, he teaches tuba. Chris von Hoff is, uh, he and I share a wall together, and he teaches trombone. Gene Berger shares the other wall uh, with me, and he teaches horn. And then on the other side of him is Miyoko Watanabe, and she teaches flute. How did she end up on a floor with all the brass players? She's just lucky, I guess. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. so, I, you know, I, I've been around Ball State a little bit. I can attest to the, the quality of your colleagues. Uh, so I can see when you say you feel like it's a good fit, uh, I see that, because I can also see that they probably share some of the same aspirations you do as a as a teacher things you would like to accomplish here 
Yeah, and it and, and also just uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all we're all active, we're all out, um, you know, performing, um, because our we we try to take our playing. Uh, it means a lot to us. We enjoy being musicians. It's it's really what we do, um, and and we also care very de deeply about the students, and uh, that's and that's why we're here. And, and it reminds me of um, a couple of years ago in an interview, um, a job interview, I was, I was asked uh, one of the most ridiculous questions, which was, um, am I a teacher who performs or a performer who teaches? And I just said, I said, that's the most ridiculous question I've ever heard. You actually called him out. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And I said, uh, um, I said, that's the most ridiculous question I've ever heard. And a, a musician is both. Um, and and you you have to have both both sides of it. It doesn't work any other way because because I feel very strongly that that music is and it it has always been and will remain an oral tradition. And you have to learn it from the people who do it well. And and I and I've tried to learn from. I I go straight to the top, you know. And 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 so do you. I mean, we we seek out these um, you know uh, eminent professionals and. Um, and revere them, mm -hmm. and 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 learn from them, and learn from the from the recordings, and then and then it's it, it's our job to pass that on to uh, to our musicians and um, and that sort of thing. And so you, you have to have it has to be both. Um, and so I just uh, I do not appreciate that question in interviews. And um, what was their response? Uh, they said, well, I mean, they were they were very. I, I think at first they were shocked. <laughs> that I that I would say it, but um, but in an interview, um, like in a job interview, I I'm me, like I, I it's not a dog and pony show, mm -hmm. and 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 I know some people are like that, and I'm not trying to take anything anything away from anybody, but I feel like it's important that um, that you know what what I'm going to be like, because if if you're if you're inter interviewing me for a job. I'm going to trust that you're being yourself because I want to know what you're like and we have to see if we're going to be able to, to work together. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, um, um, you know, I, I was I was talking to a, a colleague of mine um, a while back because I had to go in and do these, um, uh, do, do my comprehensive exams, my uh, like oral exams for... Um, uh, my my degree at CCM, and I was talking to some friends, and they said, you know, uh, they said, look, don't go in there, and don't go in there and try to be funny, because I'm funny, you know. I just, I, I just, and I'm not. It's not an act. I'm just being me, you know. And I, I think I, I don't, and I don't take myself too seriously. I take what I do seriously, but I don't take myself too seriously. I mean, like, there's nobody has time for that. And so they said, don't go in there and try to be funny. I thought, well. I'm, but I'm going to be funny. Like I, you know, and I remember testing the waters, like somebody asked me a question and I, and I answered it and then I, I, I put a little zinger on there and they, and they all, the whole, the whole committee cracked up and I said, okay, this is going to be all right. You know, situationally appropriate humor, yes, of, of, course. of course, you know, but anyway, um, <coughs> I, I've, I've taken us, uh, I've taken us off, uh, off no, topic no, this here. Is, this is great. This is great. Um, so, but anyway, I, I remember just being here and, and with the, with the brass quintet, here we just we just clicked there there wasn't like a i didn't feel like there was a um um period of adjustment or anything mm -hmm. we all just sat down and and worked the same way that that you and i have um and um 
it was a good fit and <clears throat> um, they're fun to they're fun to hang out with socially we can work together well professionally so <clears throat> I think excuse me um, I think you know just based on that criteria it was a it was a really nice fit and um, uh, and I, and I could tell that this I could I could see myself being here for like for the foreseeable future, um, and and that's much different than um, the the situation. And I'll 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 speak uh, candidly about my my last job, which but before I came to Ball State University, I was at Stephen F. Austin State University as visiting professor. That's in Texas, and. Um, that school has a lot. Uh, that's a, that's a good school. It's a big it's a big music program, and they have a lot going for it. And I was crazy about my musicians down there, mm-hmm. but uh, but it wasn't the same. Um, it wasn't the same feel mm-hmm. in terms of um, in terms of other aspects. I'll put it that way. Uh, and and it, I think it was hard to see at the time, um, but it wouldn't have worked out there. Mm-hmm. And I, and I see that now, looking back, and I can appreciate that, and, and that's okay. You know, I've I've moved past it, but there were certain things where it's like, okay, that should have been the first sign that you know, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. But um, how long were you there? Just for the just for just for one year. It was a one year, uh, and and the way and the way that happened. So for the uh, for the sake of uh, full disclosure, I got my undergraduate and graduate degree at Stephen F. Austin State oh. University before I moved to Cincinnati. And I studied with a man there called Gary Wirtz. And, uh, um, and Gary, I met um, when I was, <clears throat> I was living, I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and I studied there with a man called Woody Yenny. And he still, he still uh, teaches and plays in, in the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he was playing second trumpet in the Richardson Symphony Orchestra. And that's where Gary Wirtz was principal trumpet of this of the same orchestra and I would go hear them play concerts when I was a high school student that's where I met him for the first time mm-hmm. and so we um you know we we got on we got on reasonably well and um so I ended up you know attending and anyway the point is he was teaching at the same time at Stephen F. Austin State University mm-hmm. and and doing the commute you know back and forth mm-hmm. and so I I ended up going to study with him and that was a good fit, and Gary uh, became and is like a, a father to me uh, in, in a lot of ways. And he um, he was a trumpet teacher there for, for, for quite a few years, and now he's the director of the School of Music. So when he officially became the director of the School of Music, they needed a, a one-year sort of visiting um, uh, you know, professor to come in while they did the national search. And um, so uh, I applied like everybody else. Uh, it wasn't an inside job. Um, but anyway, uh, they ended up hiring me to do the one-year uh, situation. And, um, and a lot of those musicians uh, who are down there, very dedicated musicians, and, uh, and several of them we still keep in touch. They'll, they'll text and we'll, we'll, we'll chat over the phone sure. you know, now and then. Um, but it was. But I learned a lot being down there, and um, I, and it was great for me too because I hadn't really, um, you know, Gary and I would talk, you know, back and forth over the phone. But you know, I was living in Cincinnati for like eleven years, like ten, eleven years, something, and I hardly ever saw him. But 
being there, we got to eat lunch a couple of times a week, every week. And it was, you know, and like, I'm telling you, nobody makes me laugh harder than him. You know, I mean, like he's got all the stories and, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So, um, uh, but a lot of my teaching, uh, you know, a lot of my teaching comes from him. Um, just his his general his style. I think his style of teaching and talk about that a little bit. What is his style, and and how does he adapt that to each student? Well, I, you know, um, he has a very straightforward approach. I think um, no gimmicks, which is probably where I get that from. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody, but you know, I think we both have known people over the years that have that are like into the gimmicks and into some. Uh, like a fad or something and he it was never it was and 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 let me let me proceed that by saying this for you know uh, people that are listening have no idea who I am and they're probably thinking who is this guy I'm for what works let me go on the record by saying that if if it if you if standing on your head and 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 doing something makes you sound like Maurice Andre or Louis Armstrong or something. Okay, I'll start doing it myself. I mean, if it works, I'm for it. But it's been my experience over the years that the gimmicks tend to not work and it's more uh I and and I can only I can only talk about what's worked for me cuz that's the only experience I have. And what's worked for me so far and and, and I still practice every day. I still I want to, you know, I want to get better and I want to um, do these things. And what's what's helped me to, I think, to be successful at this point uh, is just the um, tried and true methods that don't involve gimmicks. You know, I think it's human nature. You and I and probably every other trumpet player to some degree, we, we could broaden it to everybody, but we'll, we'll stick with trumpets for now. But I think we've all tried to reinvent the wheel somehow we've tried to find the shortcut only to realize later on that you know there really is just one tried and true path uh, and there might be some innovations along the way there certainly will be exceptions of people along the way who can do things that nobody else can do uh, but for the vast majority of us you're right you know there's there's just shedding it in the practice room uh, through Clark and Arben and Schlossberg, and <laughs> there are things that work. Absolutely. Um, before we go on, I want to ask, um, the situation as visiting professor, you know, I think, would you agree that every situation becomes a terrific learning ex- experience, is no matter how negative? It seems like I've been able to turn every event in my life into a positive teaching experience later on because it helps us relate to our colleagues or our students do you, do you feel that that would be a true statement for you as well? Absolutely, I, I you know I agree with you completely. Um, well, thanks, and it's not just because it's my podcast, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that nice. Um, no, I, I do I do completely agree, and and um, so sometimes it's um, sometimes it's hard because I think even um, even as we've been in this business for a while, you know, we have to develop thick skin. Um, for a, for a lot of reasons, um, for example, taking an audition and being told you're not good enough, you know. I mean, of course, no one says, "Hey, you're not good enough." But what what they say is next, you know, and that's that's hard, you know, because 
you know, you're gearing up for the audition, you're, you're doing all the listening, you're doing all the practicing, you're making all the, uh, all the choices. I mean, people call it sacrifice. I don't think that's the right word. Right. I, no, I don't think that's the right word because, um, first of all, you know, I, I think the word sacrifice means something else. But if you, if you, for, for me personally, it's like, for me to, to get to school early and practice, that's not a sacrifice because I look forward to playing the trumpet. And why would I consider that a sacrifice? Like, well, man, I really love doing this. I guess I'll go practice. What kind of an attitude is that? I mean, like, it, that's not a sacrifice. It, but, but what I think people mean is, you know, and, 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 and you, I know you've got similar stories where you're, you know, your friends or your, you know, uh, family or whatever the, the case may be, you know, will say, hey, we're all going to the, you know, we're all going to go to the brewery. And like, oh, man, I'd love to, but I, I need to go practice for another, like, 45 minutes or hour or something like that. And that's, you know, so what, and it's, that I guess could be considered a sacrifice, but I just consider it a choice. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's. If you frame it like that, yeah. we're sacrificing something every minute of every day. Sure. Because we're making a choice to do whatever it is we're about to do. So I think it, you might say it's, you're diminishing the, the significance of sacrifice. But really, the importance of your passion towards trumpet is really what your focus is mm-hmm. at this point. And that's what I hear coming through. Yeah, just being a musician and there's no, uh, you know, just making a choice. Like, something that I, that I tell the, the, the musicians here is, I am assuming that you all are here because you have a deep love for music and you couldn't imagine yourself doing anything else, right? Because you you can't be in it because you think you're going to be rich. Wait. What? <laughs> well, except for you, Larry. Wait a second. No, I'm, I'm still not rich, but explain this to me. Is, the, is, is there not a pot of gold waiting for me somewhere? If there is, I haven't found it. Um, and, and that's okay. I don't, you know, being, I, I'm not interested in being rich. I don't care about, uh, I don't care about being rich, but... Um, that's that's never been a, a goal of mine, but 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 here's what I can tell you. So so even if we just talk about so right now it's um it's uh, it's eleven ten, and we're in uh um uh, we're in Miami uh, we're in Key West, Florida yeah, right now. Right. Larry and I are. No, I'm just kidding. We're in Muncie, Indiana. Nice breeze, isn't it? Yes. Um. So this morning I've you know I've, I've done my practice. I've um had conversations with some colleagues. I've uh taught some of my musicians and then now you and I are, are are having a chance to visit and like none of this feels like work to me isn't it cool yeah <laughs> and that's it's but it but that didn't just happen that you know that that didn't just happen just because we want it to mm-hmm. and so that that's you know for me has been like you know getting home late from a you know, from a, a rehearsal or a, a show or something, and you're practicing for another hour and a half, and while everyone else is, you know, going and doing whatever it is they're doing, consequently they're still doing that, <laughs> um, and um, you know, and 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 getting up early, doing the, you know, doing the things that are um, that are not the easiest things to do, and. So I think, um, yeah, there's there's definitely something to be learned from um, 
from all these experience developing this you know this this thick skin and trying to trying to keep a certain perspective where maybe if something didn't work out you know try and the other thing that I try to do is this is I is when I show up particularly at a new situation or uh, I've, I've had the good fortune over the years to um, to to have the opportunity to perform uh, like downtown Cincinnati Symphony you know when they need when they need like additional players and that sort of thing um, or um, you know whatever the case may be and and I those and those 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 players have been my idols over the years sure. Phil Collins and Marie Speziali right. Doug Lindsay you know Steve Pride Chris Rogers Bob Sullivan you know all those players are just that's a who's who absolutely right? absolutely um, I mean, any one of those players on their own, but you get all of them. I mean, it's like, um, but anyway, when I when I uh, have the opportunity to go down there, I, I, I watch. I try to take it all in, mm-hmm. and I look around, and I see what people are doing, and I see what people are not doing, mm-hmm. and I try to remember that. And similarly, you know, I, I think that I think that, that, that we ought to offer a class called, or titled something like, you know how to act like a professional in an unprofessional situation, mm. because it's real easy to act like a professional when everyone's doing it. But it's when people are decide to not act like a professional that we really have to to turn that on, mm-hmm. and and that can be and that can be difficult at times. Um. So uh, so I also try and you know in other situations when I see something happen. I learn from I try to learn from somebody else's mistake because I think we learn by making mistakes. Absolutely. But it, we, it's it's taken a long time, I don't know for you, but it took a long time for me to let the ego go and realize that that's really how we get better. That's how we grow and to embrace that whole process. Absolutely. And I think but it but it it can also be very useful and I think um <coughs> a little easier in some cases to like learn from somebody else's mistake. <laughs> so if I can learn by not making the mistake, you know, then that's good. But yeah, I think, I think what that is, is this sort of, um, American syndrome of fear of failure that I suffered for, 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 from a long, um, from, for a long time in the sense that people are, don't, they, they're afraid they're going to fail. So they don't even try. Right. But what we know is that, you know, if if you if you're if you have and you're going to be consumed by that fear of failure well you're never going to be a musician because learning to be a musician is simply one failure after the next lord don't i know it but eventually when's the last perfect performance that you <laughs> i'm still waiting on that one to happen right well so, but see i think that's where you're headed is we, yeah. we can always find something to improve out of something we just did yeah yeah, and it's just one one mistake after the next, and that's kind of how you, and that's the experience. I think that's how you like learn how to, you know, um, um, eventually, you know, you kind of learn how to how to do it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that sort of thing. And so, I think, uh, you know, uh, and there have been a lot of people who've had these famous quotations over the years about, you know, uh, what are the, what were some of them like. It's not a failure. It's a a learned. Uh, uh, what, what, how did it go? It was something like a, a failure. A failure is a. Uh, an, uh, 
you're getting closer to cor being correct or something like that, you know, like a, a step closer to um, to success or something like that, you know. I'll research that and insert that into this. Yeah, um, I can't, I, I don't remember how it goes, but th there are a lot of those little like, you know, maxims that people, you know, throw around and so forth. But, uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, we just have to be honest and we have to be true to ourselves. Um, we have to be honest with ourselves and like where we are, what we need to do to get better and, and just, and just do it. And it's, and it's, and it's a process and, um, it takes a long time. And, um, I think we're still, we're still working and we're, and we're still practicing. So, you know, I hear, uh, listening to you talk, I hear a lot of, obviously there's passion with what you do. I hear a lot of experience already, even though to me you look like, you know, a 20 some year old kid. I know, I know you're older <laughs> than that, but, um, I hear also respect for not just your colleagues, but your, you don't call them students, you call them musicians. I do not refer to the, yeah, well, I know that technically they are registered as students at Ball State University. I do understand that concept, but um, I think that it's important that they understand um, they are maybe, in, depending on where they are in their in their degree, like maybe they're four years away from they will no longer be a student, but they're going to be a colleague of, of ours mm -hmm. in the music industry in, in some capacity. And, and and they need to learn how to act that way and, and start developing these habits of, um, and the habits of the professional. And so I um, refer to them as my musicians because I think um, beyond anything else, we have a responsibility to the music. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't Amen. matter. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, and like no matter, and, and, and people, I don't know if it's just at this school or, if, I mean, it, it's not just at this school, but at a lot of schools like to pigeonhole, well, I'm an ed major, well, I'm a performance oh, major, well, I'm everywhere. a, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, well, that, you, maybe you are, but really, that's your you, specialty. That's your specialty. You're a music major and you have a responsibility to the music. Mm -hmm. So you need to, you need to forget all that. You know, I mean, like, what, like, okay, so what are you trying to tell me? You're an ed major, so you don't need to learn how to play your scales? Like, is that what you're trying to say? Like, you're an ed major, so you don't need to sound good? No, that goes back to what I said earlier. Being a musician is both. You, in fact, if you, if you want to be a musical educator, the onus is even more on you Absolutely. to set the example. Absolutely. And, it, and, it, and it's crazy. I mean, I, one, thing that I, one thing that I've just been impressed with over the, um, over the years is, is the... the you know, all the, 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 the new people that show up um, to study music, you know, both here and in Texas and, and to a, uh, a certain degree in Cincinnati um, and how interested they are and how curious they are and how um, they want to do it right. They want to, they want to have, um, they have a great attitude and, and, they'll, and, and, and they're willing to try. And, that's, and I think that's all you really need. Um, uh, what, you know, uh, um, Vince DiMartino, mm -hmm. he, in an interview that I, uh, well, I, I just talked to him and he said, you know, um, uh, they, that the, they, they need to have, that we all need to have curiosity and self-discipline mm -hmm. and you put those two together and, and, and there, you're going to be successful one way or the other. Mm -hmm. it, it, it may not be your path may... You know, your your path may end up being different than you than you thought it was, and that's okay. But 
you know, if you put, I think if you, he's right. I mean, I think if you put those two things together, you're going to, uh, you're going to be successful and, um, and everything. You know, I think those two things, if you take that as they're musicians, students, mentors, teachers, if we can help cultivate those things within those people, that curiosity and the self-discipline. I mean, you think about it, in an undergrad situation, you've really only got four years. You're not going to get anybody to their highest level of playing in four years. Even in a graduate situation, you're not going to, in two or three years, going to get people to that. But I th my perception has always been it's my job to teach them how to teach themselves. And curiosity and self-discipline that you mentioned sound like the perfect words to implement to, to get them there. Because it sounds like that's exactly who you are. You're curious and self-disciplined. I would even apply that to myself right now. In fact, I wish I could copyright that phrase, but it's blocked events. Yeah, it's events. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I didn't come up with any of this stuff. It's just you know, um, <clears throat> learning from you know, and I think we've both have had um, you know my, my my teachers over the years. I mean, I you know have been great and I nobody has more respect for them than I do um, and and I think that we're all you know kind of a product of the um, the best and I well at least for me like my teaching is kind of like the best parts or the best maybe that's not the right way to say it but but are these are these like parts of of, of them and um you know, I, I could I could go on about that, but you know, the, the you know, it, the, if if you if you if you know them, then you know you, you would see these things, you know, like kind of surface. Like you know, when I have to choose somebody out, okay, that that comes straight from Gary Wirtz, because like no one no one no one could choose someone out better than him, and and so I, I learn from the best, you know, and um, and 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 other elements. I mean, these are these are these are like extra musical elements that I'm talking about right now, uh, you know, of course, but. Um, and I have a sign that I use to cover my window on the uh, on my door when I'm trying to practice and I don't want to be bothered. Mm -hmm. And it says, it reads, are the practice rooms out of order? Because anytime Phil Collins would see us and, we, you know, like walking in the hallways, and we could have been going to a class or to a <laughs> rehearsal or something, he'd but come up, he, he would give us this quizzical look and go, are the practice rooms out of order? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh so, gosh. you know, so there are these little things that, you know, that kind of... Um, that crop up from, from all these people. And, you know, again, just trying to, you know, to, to, to bring it forward. Mm -hmm. So you, you change the, the focus just a little bit. Um, and I've not asked anybody else this question and I'll start by saying, I feel this way. I'm very selfish about playing and teaching, but I also get rather, and I also get to share that selfishness with other people. I mean, I get a lot of uh, fulfillment out of teaching and performing. Uh, it's not just that I do it for other people. Would you Would you agree with that for yourself? Or maybe you would say selfish might not be your definition. And I think I might cut that part out of this. <laughs> uh, it's um, I I just read uh, I just read the Fountainhead. Have you read that, Ayn Rand? I've not. There's an interesting chapter in the in in the back where they they go on a long um, they go on like a long rant about this topic, about the, the question of being selfish. And I, I wish I could recall 
exactly how it went right now, but um, but essentially, I think it was the the concept of, and the reason I I, I liked that book so much and and it, it sort of resonated was the concept of 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 behaving and and doing, making choices, in a way that we do it because it's the right thing to do, and that's the only reason. I I don't make a decision because. I think that the administration at this school is going to like it or because I think that the students will like me or because my colleagues will like me making a decision because I believe it's the right thing to do and it's and that's the only reason I need to make that decision as long as it's technically sound obviously I mean it's not a harebrained scheme or something you know um, and but and I think that's the opposite of being selfish in in a lot of ways because if you know if, if you think about it, if I if I just make decisions based on what I think is going to be popular or based on what I think they're going to like across the street or, or or next door, that's I mean I that's not then that's not me. I'm not being me. I'm being like what somebody else wants me to be. I, okay, so having said that, I think I would go back and say. Um, because I don't make decisions that way either. What I would say is I find it uh, a terrific opportunity to say that I can benefit personally as well as others through the decisions that I make, the efforts, the endeavors that we make. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I know sometimes there are people like, well, you know, you've got to do this for the students. You got to. But if I enjoy it along the way, I'm, I've stopped apologizing for that. You know, it's like I've stopped apologizing for saying I'm entertaining people. Well, you have to educate. No, no, I want to entertain. Yeah. And once I entertain them, I can engage them. Absolutely. And when I can engage them, then I can educate them. Absolutely. Well, let's not forget that's that's what this is all about mm-hmm. is a form of entertainment. I mean, of course, you know, even 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 I think in the high in the in the highest forms of art. I mean, if you think about the first thing that comes to my mind is because like well, like Wagner's my favorite composer. Well, Bach is my favorite composer, but Wagner's my favorite composer. You know, if you think about the, you know, the, the, the ring cycle, right? The ring of the Nibelung. Um, I mean, that's about as dense as it gets. I mean, like, that's heavy. You know, you look at Wotan and, and his avarice and you're thinking, is that me? Like, am I, is that, you know? But, but when you step back, though, it's a cool, it's like, it's, it's cool music. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, you know, it's kind of long, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's entertaining, you know, and that's that's what it's always been about. So you know, we can't we can't forget that. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. I mean, I, that's. Uh, I think there've been yeah. too many apologies. You know, of course, I understand that education is important. Yes. But in the arts, whether whether it's uh, visual arts or oral arts or theater or whatever it is, there, we shouldn't apologize that it's entertaining. Yes, it but, should be. Yes, and especially when you look at how seriously we take our craft and our skill. I mean. We're not just out there just for laughs. We're out there because we're trying to communicate things on an extremely deep or an extremely high level, and I think that's uh, that's a that's a pretty noble thing to do. Absolutely. And if we can call it entertainment, fine. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mahler can be entertaining. Welcome to the middle of the episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you with the support of Messina Covers. They offer some standard and custom designs of trumpet bags, mouthpiece pouches, and more. And their customer service is excellent. 
be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And now, back to the interview. Okay, we're live, yeah. and it's fine because, um, so what our listeners don't know is that uh, Stephen just played a piece from, uh, some excerpts from the William Carey, is it called Concerto? Yeah, Concerto for Trumpet and Orchestra. Concerto for Trumpet and Orchestra. Um, so it's funny, you mentioned the more accommodating mouthpiece. I heard Jens uh, kind of get on somebody for saying, it's not a shallower mouthpiece, it's more compact. <laughs> I think, you know, um, however you want to phrase it, one of my teachers taught me always use the right tool for the job. And if that means having to switch horns, mutes, mouthpieces, uh, certainly we always should shift our style, our, our, our sense of style. Um, what's wrong with that? There's nothing you know, wrong with it. I mean, it. if you're not sacrificing uh, what's coming out of the end of the bell, in fact, if you're ensuring that's what what's going to come out of the end of the bell yeah. fits, uh, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I I don't know. You know, one <laughs> one of my favorite phrases, and I I don't know. I don't remember where I heard it, but it was like, uh, you know, they're not handing out tough guy awards, you know, after <laughs> after the concerts and stuff like that, and and Lord knows, because if they if they were, we'd all have some. But uh, you know, I I think. I, I really don't think about it that much, and I, I, you know, I think for most of us, probably, um, you know, I just use the same equipment for the vast majority of of everything. But if you get to some situation where you need to you need to make an adjustment, I mean, probably nobody's going to notice. Certainly, nobody's going to care. And I mean, it, it's just part of it. Um, I, I think my, the, my favorite analogy is, you know, uh, maybe Tiger Woods is not the best. Well, no, he's actually making a great comeback. But Tiger Woods could probably go from the tee to the green with a putter, right? He'd have to work extra hard on some shots. But, you know, a, a pro golfer uses the right club for the right shot. And I think that's where, where my approach is, you know, I'm not going to play. Why beat myself up trying to go for certain sounds when man all you have to do is change the equipment a little bit yeah facilitate you know make it easier to get that expression out of your head and through the through the horn so um well you know and the other thing is like yeah i think i think what you said earlier was the best in the sense that it's the right tool for the right job mm -hmm. you, you can screw in a phillips head screwdriver with a flathead screw believe me i've done it oh yeah <laughs> but it's a lot easier <laughs> if you just have the phillips head yeah. you know yeah um you know, it's interesting uh, thinking through our conversation already to this point today, and it's it's taken a very different direction than I thought. But some really terrific uh, insight into you said early on. People don't know who I am, speaking you know from from yourself, but I think they should get a pretty good sense of who you are and and what your uh, your direction is, both as a musician uh, and a person. Um, and maybe we should make a distinction between those two. You happen to be a person who is a musician. Right. You know. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, teachers. You mentioned some that you had studied with while you were in Texas. Um, you also mentioned you studied at Cincinnati Conservatory. Yeah. Uh, so I got to I got to CCM in um, 2000. <laughs> it would have been August of uh August of 2005, is that right? No, yeah, that's right, August 2005. 
and uh, and Alan Siebert and uh, Phil Collins um, uh, teach trumpet there, and um, and I and I I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from being. Um, I learned a lot just from being <clears throat> in that environment and in Cincinnati because, you know, um, although I, I grew up in Dallas, I went to uh, I went to college at a small uh, town in East Texas called Nacogdoches. At the time, there may have been like uh, I think thirty thousand people in the whole town, including the, you know, the people from the mm -hmm. from the campus, the students from the campus, you know. Um, small town and um, uh, and it was good I think it was it was a good place to be it was a good place to be um, an undergraduate student in the sense that there weren't a lot of distractions that there would have been had I been in a larger city mm -hmm. and it was now of course that being said we we found plenty of ways to get into trouble you know like that's always gonna happen <laughs> no matter what you know no sure. matter no matter what but it, it was uh, it was um, but most of the things that we were doing uh, to get into trouble um, weren't that bad, and they were in the music building. You know, I mean, like we were there. Like, why would you want to be anywhere else? You know, and and that sort of thing. And so maybe that's for another podcast. But um, uh, or if I were a priest, maybe, maybe confession <laughs> would be more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. What? When was your last confession? Well, what time is it? Um, so. Uh, so being in being in Cincinnati and being in that environment um, was uh, was I just learned a lot being there and and one of the really cool things was you know I'd have a lesson um, you know with Phil and then later that week go here and play mm -hmm. you know in the orchestra mm -hmm. and um, so this is the pre-retirement I'm, I'm trying to yeah. think when he actually. Retired from the orchestra. 2008, 2009, or something like that. 2008, mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly, but, um, and, um, but, but that was, those are always, um, mm -hmm. you know, those are always the best. And just being able to, uh, you know, having these, um, these arts organizations and musical arts organizations, you know, right there, being around the professionals and, um, it's a much, uh, quicker pace and, um, you know, learning how to do that. And, and I, I learned a lot. Um, you know, again, you know, just being around those people, learning what to do, learning what not to do, you know, mistakes were made. Well, like we said earlier, that's, that's part of the learning process. Absolutely. Right? Um, this was for your doctorate that you were right. in. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're, you're getting into your doctorate probably like most people, uh, you're not necessarily facing any major playing issues. I mean, you're there to refine, uh, a lot of things, ideas, uh, concepts, uh, skills. What uh, what took you to, was it uh, Professor Siebert or Phil Collins that, that took you to CCM? Uh, something you were after in their teaching or playing? Um, so here's where I have to admit, um, uh, neither of those is the case. Um, I went, um, this is probably, you know, I'm not, I'm not extremely proud of this, but this is the, but this is the, you know, look here, you get, you get me. I, I had, you know, I finished my master's and I was living in what you might call the land of illusion. I thought because I had a master's degree, everybody was going to want me to come work for them and, and that sort of thing. And I didn't realize nobody cared and, and it didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Mm. Um, and that was a, that was not a, a happy place to be in necessarily, but I had some friends who attended, um, you know, CCM for graduate school. And one of the teachers at, uh, at Stephen F. Austin was a grad, who I admired, was a graduate of, uh, of CCM. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, that's the school I knew, so I applied there. And um, uh, I was fortunate, I, you know, I, I got in. And, and actually, I, I, didn't re I didn't even really know anything about even the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra at the time. But, well, consciously. Mm -hmm. But I did know uh, them because um, some of the very first uh, albums that my parents bought for me were the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra. Oh, Eric Krenzel. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and it would have been, you know, like Phil and Marie mm -hmm. and, and all them. And um, and there's one called um, it's over there on the shelf. I think it's called like Unforgettable Doc or something like that. Doc Severinsen with Cincinnati Pops. Many times yeah, and so that was one of them. But then but then there were other ones like um, Respighi's Church Windows. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, this is the this is Phil's C trumpet. He recorded that on no, no. right here. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and this is Marie's. Uh, Do they know you yeah. have those? Yeah. Well, Marie knows I have this one. I don't know if Phil. I haven't. I I, I talked to Phil. I texted him the other day, but we, it wasn't about that. Uh, but um, yeah. Anyway, I, so that's. And this is the. These these are all. Yeah. This is my dad bought me this B flat trumpet when I was in high school. Um, anyway, enough of that. That's cool though. <laughs> um, and so I I actually uh, it, it I just wasn't conscious of the fact that I knew who those wonderful people were at the time, and um, of course I. Um, that that you know that that sort of that changed um it didn't change all at once because when even when i got to ccm i was so um and again i'm not proud of this but i was so caught up in myself and what i thought i was doing at ccm that i i didn't it took me i'll tell you it took me a while to and this is going to sound stupid but it took it took me a little while to appreciate uh phil and his teaching because I spent so much time just trying to impress him, ah. you know, but, and I didn't realize it and, it, and it dawned on me that, you know, Phil's played everything, he's recorded everything, uh, there wasn't really anything I was going to be able to do that was going to impress Phil, and at that point, I got past myself, mm -hmm. and I started learning. I stopped taking myself so seriously, and I, and I, and I felt like I, I started learning from him, and, and really, I didn't, I think I learned more from Phil after I um, um, after I left CCM um, than, than I than I did while I was there. And you know, there's no point. You know, if if I could go back, there's almost no point in having that conversation though because I can't go back. But you know, I, I, but I, I I wish I could because I would have done some things. I would have done a lot of things. Um, I would have done a lot of things much differently. Yeah, but you know, I, I was talking to. Uh well, actually, when I was interviewing Vince, uh, we we're talking about being ready to receive information at certain points in your life. And sometimes you're with a teacher who's, it's a pot of gold, but you're just not at that point where you're ready. Mm -hmm. But even after the fact, you said, now you know. So that ex experience was still valuable and that information was still there. It was latent, yeah. right? 
you know, so that uh, is, is valuable. I was just thinking while you're talking of, I think we should co-write a book called From Hubris to Humility. <laughs> the trumpet player's journey, yeah. you know, uh, to that point to where we feel like. Yeah, but most trumpeters <laughs> would have to look up both of those words. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hubris. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the other thing was, um, e but even after, you know, just to kind of to, 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 to sort of hit again on something that I mentioned earlier, the, the um, sort of fear of failure, you know, situation, it took me a long time to make contact with and go play for the, uh, for the, for the players downtown mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. Um, and... And a, a while back, Chris asked, he, he asked me, like, why, what took me so long? Why, why did I wait so long to go play for them and, and everything? And I said, I looked at him, I said, because I was terrified. And that's the truth. Well, understandable. Yeah. But I remember the first time I... Uh, and, and what happened the first time you, you actually did play for him? I realized how stupid I'd been, you know, because, like, I, the first... And I, because I played for Doug Lindsay, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean... I, well, I mean, technically, the first person that I played for down there was Phil Collins, sure. but I was a student, right. and I w and I was just kind of forced on him, you know. Um, but but after after the fact, you know, what, what I should have been doing was I should have been playing for him. I should have been playing for Doug. I should have been playing for Steve. I should have been like going and playing for those people all along, but I didn't do that. And the reason I didn't do it was because I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I was. Uh, I was terrified that they would tell me that uh, I sounded bad, or you know, or that I sucked, or or or, or whatever. And and I and I saw um, I actually Doug Lindsay and I were on a we were on this this like ridiculous gig together. Um, we it was a wedding at a downtown at the, the Hall of Mirrors, and and I didn't know he was going to be there. I got contracted for this wedding for two trumpets. And I just thought, oh, okay, great, you know, 175 bucks, like, yeah, heck yeah. And then I and then I get down there, and it's like, I'm playing with, Google. and I'm playing with Doug Lindsay, you know, <laughs> and uh, and he and and Doug's Doug is Doug is amazing, mm -hmm. and you know, people use that word too much, like, ama really, were you amazed, you know? But I, actually, yeah, kind of. And um, I've always been impressed and 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 just, uh, you know, in awe of their uh, of, of their playing. And um, I, I asked him, hey, could I come play for you sometimes? Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, on the inside, I was, you know, terrified just to even ask him. And then I started playing for him, and I realized how dumb I was to have waited for so long mm -hmm. because of how, of how helpful, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that experience was for getting that, getting that kind of feedback and, um, um, and, and, that, and that sort of experience. And... Again, as long as you're willing to, you know, check your ego at the door, um, and that and that and that really changed a lot of things about my playing. I was talking to someone the other day about. Um, I'm going to take a little tangent here. Bring, bring reel me back in when it's time uh, about sort of like performance anxiety and so forth, and 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 that's a word that people use too much, also, but. I, I think the the way to to deal with it is to prepare for the task at hand. And if you're and if you're worried about anxiety and, and everything, then you have to identify first of all, you have to identify what makes you the most anxious or causes the most anxiety. And that's gonna be different from person to person. 
So for me, for example, what causes me to be the most anxious? Playing full of a room full of sixth graders. No kidding. Yeah, well, and because, and, it, and, and maybe it's stupid. Maybe I have no right to feel this way, but I feel like if I play for a room full of sixth graders and they don't like me, maybe they won't want to be interested in music. I mean, should I really have that high of opinion of myself? Well, maybe, maybe not. But, like, I don't, I'm not going to get nervous about playing in front of my students. What do I care? They can't do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And similarly, I, what am, why am I going to get nervous playing in front of, you know, like, uh, you know, people like, you know, the, 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 the people on the, the, the highest, you know, the mm -hmm. pinnacle? What, what am I worried about? Well, what, what was I thinking? Like they were going to say, oh, you sound great. Why don't you come join the orchestra or something? I mean, like what, 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 what kind of delusional, you know, thoughts am I going to have about that? And so if they like scream at me or something and say, that's not the right style, that's not the right way. Okay, well, tell me what is the right style? What is the right way? Because I want to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to be afraid to play for them because I want, I want their help. I want them to tell me, you know, what, what is the correct style and, and the things that I need to be doing. So I'm not going to be nervous about playing in front of them mm -hmm. or, um, I mean, yeah, the, of course, you know, you kind of get, uh, you know, in any performance, I think there's the kind of like butterflies, especially if there's more sure. at stake, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't know about you, but once yeah. we get about, you What's know, what's at stake, you know, are we going to die if the phrase right. doesn't go the way we want? Well, but that's how much we care about what we're doing, right. you know, and, and, uh, of course, no, yeah, even, even if we miss every note and, and, and play in the wrong key signature and, and, and whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, everybody's still going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But that's how we, we, that's how dedicated we are and, and like how we feel about it. But, um, well, and you know, I'm going to answer that question before we go on. What is at stake? It'll go back to something earlier in the conversation is, is what we owe to the music, what yeah. we owe to the composer, what we owe to the audience. Yeah. And of course, we're going to prepare ourselves the best possible way. So I'm not trying to, to say we just kind of go out and willy-nilly play and whatever comes out of the horn is what comes out. But I'm just, you know, I think sometimes we realize that uh, it, it helps if we realize we're not perfect. And if we just go for playing beautifully, you know, that's, that's, that's what we can ask for. Yeah, well, and, and you know, and when I was talking, you know, when you, when you said something like, you know, did you really call that person out in the interview? I did call them out in that interview. And, and that's the same reason I don't take any, and I don't, I don't say this as a badge or anything, but I don't take any sort of um, um, uh, prescription medication for like uh, anxiety, beta blockers, beta blockers or anything like that. And I don't, I don't say that as a, um, like holding myself up, but I say that as a, as a, um, as, as a, as a, um, as a means of honesty, mm -hmm. because one thing that I'm comfortable admitting is that I'm not perfect and that if I'm involved in some venture, it won't be perfect because I'm involved. Mm -hmm. But damn it, I'm going to try, you know, and like I'm, you know, if I miss something, okay, I mean, it's not if, it's really a matter of when, but I mean, I, but I'm going to, I'm going to try and I'm going to, you know, there's going to be something behind it, you know, and so I think um, that's what I owe myself and I think that's what, um, you know, that's our responsibility to the music. Doc even talked to even just recently about how he still feels those butterflies when he steps on stage. He has just learned how to, I think he said he makes it his friend. You know, that nervous energy is his friend, is his companion. He knows it's going to show up. So why not invite it 
into the performance. Yeah. You know, now, that being said, um, I know there are people who definitely benefit from the beta blockers. Um, my eight-year-old is going through Suzuki violin, the shyest kid you'd ever see, but fearless when it comes to st stepping up on stage for a performance. And I think, man, boy, there's some value in Suzuki in a lot of ways, but one of those is just teaching kids what's there to be afraid of. This is just the normal course of, of how things go. Yeah. And what a great way to bring up young musicians is just because really, and I tell my students this when they audition, my, my young musicians, when I'm going to have to change my phraseology on yeah. that, but everybody who listens to you wants and expects the best. Everybody wants you to succeed. And I believe that's the truth. When I listen to auditions, that's the absolute truth. I'm not waiting to eliminate somebody as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, and I think if that's our expectation on both sides of the stage, that's a much better way to approach. There's my platitude for the for the day. Completely agree. Great interview, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> so very insightful stuff. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot uh, that I've gotten from this. I think I would like to come back and do more at some point. Oh, absolutely. But what we've got today. Stephen, uh, your insight, your honesty, uh, everything has just been much appreciated today. And I'm, this is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is to get people to share, not just in their pedagogical experience on how they were taught and how they now teach, but what you shared today is really uh, how you make it through life uh, as a musician. And success can be determined in many different ways, but I think you're, you're showing that... Uh, you are successful in what you've you've already accomplished, and that you're still striving to be more successful Every day. in many different ways. Yeah. So thank you for sharing everything you did today. And oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me to be on your on your program. Yeah. I love doing this stuff. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you too can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.